This podcast is produced by Unedited. I hated being pregnant. I hated it all. I would not do it again. Yeah. And I hated it. Do I see myself as a role model? The straight answer is no, I don't. Never thought I could do it because I didn't think English girls could be rappers because it was so American. This music's everywhere. These vocalists are everywhere. These rappers are everywhere. Pay them. <laughs> Can we pay them, please? Hey, it's your girl Anika Allen and I'm back for another episode of the Black Magic Podcast. Yes, episode 7 was 7 episodes deep and I'm enjoying every minute of it so far. In today's episode, we're going to be joined by Princess Naya. You may remember for her song Frontline, also a very good businesswoman. Also joining me in the studio is Natalie Maddox from House Gospel Choir. Later in the episode, we're going to be hearing from veteran presenter Angie Greaves, who's currently on Magic FM. So it's going to be another great episode. So how are you doing, ladies? Very well, thank you. Yep, doing absolutely amazing. Really good, good to see you guys. Lovely to see you too. Yes, well, um, for those that don't know who you are, what it is you do, Naya, we'll start off with you. Cause, like, Just introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what it is you do. You know you don't need to ask me twice. Um, my name is Princess Naya. For those that don't know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm a singer-songwriter. I run my own business and I record music and, yeah, release music and I perform up and down the country. But I've just been on a little bit of a break so I'm on maternity leave because I've just had a baby so now I'm in the mum club <laughs> and that's it in a nutshell <laughs> how old's your baby I'm eight months nice nice what's her name her name's Kizzy Kizzy oh. I got it from Roots I don't know if anyone's seen it but yeah check it out just see that's where I got her name from you know gave her a name of meaning <laughs> it's funny actually because obviously Kizzy's from Roots but your name has um I guess um it's quite Naya Bingi yeah it's like it's Rastafarian yeah. so yeah it's quite like Roots and culture-ish yeah, yeah. <laughs> you stuck with but the I did want to call her Naya to be totally honest and my boyfriend yeah. was like uh no and I was like why not like my nan called her daughter after herself Patricia and her son is after my granddad my, um, my best friend did the same thing I think it's so two cool candies, baby candy big, big candy, candy. Yeah, yeah I love it and it's like little Pete and big Pete yeah. and my, my granddad well, and my uncle so. well men tend to do it don't they like you junior. know junior yeah. and stuff yeah. and things like, but be, that'd be so lit you like, just call her Naya on the slide yeah and then Naya, I said what Naya about Kizzy. the middle name my boyfriend was like no okay then got sidelines so Natalie kind of tell us who you are and what it is you do um so I'm Natalie Maddox. I'm a creative producer and I come, I'm the founder and creative director of House Gospel Choir. So what is House Gospel Choir? House Gospel Choir is a house meets gospel experience where it's like, it's like, it's a youth club, it's workout, it's gym, it's a rave, but it's a gospel choir. Nice, yeah. nice. So. Uh, um, oh, I actually do know what it is because um, <laughs> you could explain it better than me. Because <laughs> I actually go what to is House Gospel Choir. Yeah. I know. I actually go to their sessions, so um, so I really enjoy the experience, and it's just such a fun vibe when you um, when you're taking part. Yeah. And I think it's it's good to know that anybody can join. They don't. I think people think. You have to be able you to sing. To like you have to be some. Like, yeah, you have to be like Beyonce. So does everyone sing then? Everyone, everyone sings. sings, but oh. you don't have to. It's a choir, so I don't have to be Beyonce, even though I'd love yeah. to be Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the great thing about it is, as well, our choir director Shez, the amazing Shez, um, teaches the techniques that will help any singer yeah. become a better singer. So yes, you do have to have. Uh, a, a voice mm -hmm. and you have to be confident enough to stand in the room of people and sing but a big part of it is is being trained to be better at that thing yeah um you know as adults we don't get a chance to keep training all the mm -hmm. time like it, it might just be there's a lot of people in the choir that sang at school or yeah. just sing at home but it's an opportunity to come out and uh, do it together and she that's will why put I you on the spot it. sounds amazing <laughs> sounds really good it's a lot of fun but that's well, why i started it we were just like i was getting a bit overworked so like mm -hmm. doing, just doing too much work and not doing enough music even though I was working in music which is weird but it happens but it changes yeah, yeah. It, it, it does happen so um, yeah I just got together with a few of my mates and just said we should just like sing some banging house tunes together mm. and have a little bit of a rave every week <laughs> and it started off with 12 people that I really like and respect and uh, now we have two sessions a week with I think we've got about 140 members oh, wow. so, yeah. so, so that's yeah. what's up man yeah and that's in the, like, the space of a few years so it's really yeah, grown yeah. And, and you've performed at lots of amazing places as well yeah 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 it's uh our first ever gig was Glastonbury. Exactly the first drops the mic and walks <laughs> yeah. out that's amazing I think our second gig was Buckingham Palace 
She's not saying like downtown in <laughs> you know, ask, me, ask me where my first performance <laughs> where was. Where was your first performance? <laughs> um, I think my first first performance was at Carnival when I was like really yes, small. That's a good so that's, that's a yeah, but I, like, I could bring the picture. I have a semicircle of people around me. It's not like there's millions <laughs> of people just watching me. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And then um, I think my first performance for when I done Frontline was at a club in Ealing called The Priory. Yeah. And again, it wasn't like a show. It was like me and a semicircle kind of hanging out the DJ booth. Do you know what I mean? I don't even think anyone could really hear me to be yeah. totally honest. You know, that's my experience of first show. So Glastonbury, that's yeah, that awesome. a magnitude. But don't try and make it sound like that, that all your, small, your shows were small. No, right? but the first I've, one, like the yeah, first okay. one, the first right. one. Okay, but you guys, you guys, have you worked together on shows before? I, I, I used to be stage manager and I used to produce events like lots of grime and urban events. So I used to be at Stratford Circus a lot. I used okay. to work for Bigger Fish, mm. Urban Development. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and <laughs> so, I performed at all of them shows. Uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I love Bigger go. Fish. Like yeah. Bigger Fish is like one of my they, faves. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they did so much for, and they still do so much for, for young UK people talent. And, yeah. yeah, and UK mm. talent. Like there wasn't really a platform to do touring and, and especially grime and urban music. Do you know what? It's really funny because um, at the Roundhouse there was a bigger fish event and it was like bigger something or other and this is like early doors yeah. before I think any DJs think were even playing it and Bashi was performing yeah. and DJ Policy and that were then. I was mm. not on no show to be booked for anything and I had my <laughs> CD because I was renegade like that and I ended up on that stage performing and they it. brought me out and yeah and I just from that day they just showed me mad love and they just they put you on if you want it bad enough. That's the great thing about put like, you on. those grassroots shows that people tend to forget I'm glad that you remember it because yeah, a lot of us not that they forget but they're doing so much yeah it's, mm. a, but it's a lifetime away it so. is it is mm. but I think it's always good to kind of just give them a shout out because at that point that's your audience you know what I mean yeah. under 18s are the ones that are banging all that music so yeah. um, rate them respect them as well like, yeah, and the organisations yeah. that give them an opportunity and a platform to to listen to their music no definitely I think it was the first time I, that I held like a proper aerial microphone you know like up until then <laughs> it was the lead the I, yeah I was just like I don't even yeah it was all a bit of a like I just remember um, the people that I'd come with you had to have access to that particular space and because they smuggled me and they couldn't get in and I could see them right at the back like <laughs> and I was like yeah like shouldn't do my thing like I don't even think I was dressed appropriately they had no intentions of really thinking I was going to perform I thought I'll, I'll just try like I got to try, <laughs> yeah, I got to try. Yeah. but yeah well it's good that you were prepared because if you weren't prepared and didn't bring your CD with you then you wouldn't have been on that yeah, stage got there. That, I Not think got that's there. the message as well yeah. anyone stay that ready really man wants- be ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, but now, how did you get into music? Did you always, I mean, Frontline kind of is that, because that was kind of like funky house kind of days, but that's not from where, when you started, that's not the sound that I remember you starting No, with. I, uh, funky house, I done funky because I just loved funky house. I was raving to funky house every day. I was in the funky house room of raves where no one liked funky house. You know, like when they played funky house and everyone went to the bar, I was the one on the floor, like, you know, cutting my shapes and stuff. Um, so prior to that, I am a massive Little Kim fan. I wanted to be a rapper. I'd done a mixtape. I was mm. in a hip hop group. I recorded maybe a hundred songs that no one cared about. <laughs> Done a video, got it on Channel U, voted for myself a thousand times still. No one cared. Um, so, yeah, I was doing music since I was yeah small. I was in a dance class. I was in the same dance class as Deneo. So music has been a huge part of my life growing up. Um, always wanted to be a rapper. Never thought I could do it because I didn't think English girls could be rappers because it was so American. Yeah. And then um, I remember I was working at Foot Locker and I saw Estelle's 1980 song come on and I was like, oh, but she's English though, man. Yeah, like, exactly. I can dope. do this. Can and do I it. decided yeah I'm gonna try and then yeah from that day I was actually dating this guy who was a rapper and then kind of took over his life because then I was like well I want to rap as well I was like, I'm gonna, if you're on stage I want to be on stage and yeah I just kind of smuggled my way in but I'd done a lot of tracks that no one ever really cared about whatsoever of course I still play them I think they're amazing <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I actually yeah. think they're good I'm you like, have to rate yourself come on I really do I mean I do think as well like if I'd have heard what they really sounded like at the time I probably wouldn't have continued because mm. they're very tinny yeah it's crazy some of my ad-libs were like oh god what are you, what are you saying <laughs> but I loved I remember the process of doing it when I was doing it and I absolutely loved it so mm. um, I respect that time and it also helps me now with my music because a lot of people are like oh what are you doing are you recording I'm like yeah but it took me a hundred songs to get to Frontline <laughs> yeah. oh hello I've got to probably do a thousand now because I didn't just have Frontline I had loads of other songs as well that done good so I've got my work cut out and yeah. I'm patient mm. I'm cool I enjoy mm. the writing process so 
what will be will be like and that's something I really respect Wiley for like he mm. records relentlessly you know so every now and then again comes out of a banger because he's re- you know relentlessly just recording recording yeah it's not just, I think that's what I mean I think that's just life as well when it, people put in the hours to kind of get the results and and that's not if, even just in music and sometimes people don't realise the grind that it takes to, and it's unseen to, yeah. like what, like, even now people don't know it's like when people are kind of taking those first tentative steps into recording or writing like I'm always like why are you sharing so much now because that's not no disrespect to mm. a lot of people's stuff. Mm. That's not great because I've got a bag of songs that I would never play. Mm. <laughs> like, but they helped me learn what it was to be a vocalist. It helped me understand mic technique. It helped me understand writing. Mm-hmm. And once I got my laptop and learned how to use GarageBand, no one could tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. I was going to do this thing. And um, I didn't end up doing it because I don't actually enjoy performing solo. <laughs> I don't, no, it's, it's lonely, man. I rate anyone that can stand up st- on stage. Yeah, see, I think I prefer performing on my own. Yeah. I'm a stage hog. Mm. I'm like, yeah, I wonder how my, it was at Bigger Fish actually, I performed and um, I'd done a song with Getz and Griminal and Getz came out and I was like, what, what is happening? What are you doing? Why are you, <laughs> Why are you on my stage? What, what's going on? And he was amazing. And I ended up standing there kind of looking. I thought, yeah, never again. I don't want to share the stage. I, can't, I struggle. I really, really struggle. I like to do my own thing on the stage. I don't want to hype person or anything I don't even like with the DJs on the stage with me I'm like so I have to you have to be next to me Um, but I do understand the comfort of probably having yeah and I think I did it both ways so I I kind of but then I I got more I started doing spoken word and I found more comfort in that because it Mm. it was almost like stand up because it was just a lot quieter you're in a room with people it's more intimate yeah Mm. it's more intimate so that that I enjoyed but then when I got back to singing it was just not and there's girls that can sing sing you mm. know what I mean like and I can sing like I I, I can hold a note and yeah. have a lot of fun in the soprano section <laughs> but like being rolling with people I like raving okay? yeah. that's, that's my thing so the choir is a rave every Monday and every time we perform even when we're in the studio or whatever like I've always got that vibe with me yeah. so I, my point is always like oh you know that bit when you're in the club and the bass line drops on your tune and you're just you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. I love that and you sing along so it's that experience kind of multiplied in harmony well (laughs) what you just described there that was the the thing that birthed Frontline no one can see this but she's doing the head scan thing where you just you close (laughs) your eyes and you just go really low and you just lose yourself Um, and that yeah, it's the, the yeah, yeah the dark the moves. I remember like one year I was in Napa and um me and one of my best friends we just got there and it's like one o'clock in the morning and we just thought uh, threw our crap down and we went straight to the club and Super D was DJing and we've walked in and we look high yellow because we ain't got no tan. And everyone else has got their tan. You know that holiday glow. We're like yeah, yeah. wet, sweating because it's like disgusting in there and they're playing KEB's Tell Me and that yeah. song. It changed my life. I felt like, what, who, where, what, what is this? What, like, I don't know what kind, I don't know whose song this is, but it was the holiday song. It was the song of the year. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, I felt like I want to make a song that makes people feel how I felt. Mm. And it's that breakdown, that thing. So when we was creating Frontline, we're in there and I literally, I'd written the hook in the car on my way to the studio. Yeah. And when we got in there, they're making it and I'm saying, no, 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 no. And they're saying, we've never made a fun chaos track before. And I'm like, no, but listen, listen, you need that space because they're yeah. trying to re- construct a song. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 it's, not, it's that you need that bit where it's, and that's where the bum, 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 yeah. bum, bum came in because it was, okay, you need that break yeah. where everyone just starts skanking. Like, but if you didn't live it, yeah. you wouldn't understand yeah. it. And mm. then I wouldn't have been able to even make that song because Definitely. I wouldn't have understood what I was doing. You know, there's some funky house songs that it's just funky house songs. And there's some songs that have that, give you that feeling yeah, and yeah, make definitely. you do something with yourself that you don't even realise you what you're realize. doing yeah I, I love funky um, but I'm a garage girl like I'm drum and bass first jungle and then garage Same. so and like, I'm it's yeah. funny because I'm a dancehall girl. Okay, that's like, there you, you go. Know, the reggae, so, the dancehall. Yeah. That's that's what gets me the, yeah. that beat as soon as I hear it, and I'm like, mm, oh my god, that it. makes me want to dance, makes me want to sing. And um, it's all it's all part of the same expression. Do you know, what I mean, mm-hmm. like there's that legacy of yeah. bass culture and bass music yeah. is what vibrates in all of us and makes exactly. us say. And I think it's I that level of freedom, that. like yeah. you know, mm. when you're out and you just no one cares what anyone else is doing because you're so you know moved by the music mm. that it just puts you in that place and that's why when you listen to garage songs now you can go back to exactly where you were probably yeah. however many years ago yeah. and know exactly what you was eating what you was wearing oh, everything because yes. the nostalgia is so real and yeah, it's exactly. so authentic and that's why there's so many events now you know 
looking back to kind of that era yeah. because people want to go to those Definitely. events. But I think it's come. I think it's more to do with classic music. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of songs that are just classics and they're timeless. There's a bag of garage songs I don't remember, but yeah. there's a lot of classics that you mm. cannot not remember. You can't. you can't. Like I was talking about Monster Boy the other day, yeah. and I was yeah. like, "That is exactly. my tune." Yeah. Like yeah. that was I, my college tune. Yeah, yeah, you know, like you know when I heard that, mm-hmm. like I yeah, it was the, it, that, that was it for me. But I could hear that at any in mm-hmm. any year. Like you could play that to me probably in thirty years time, yeah. and I could go back to exactly where. I could do the same dance. I would sing it the same way yeah. and yeah. feel how I felt. Exactly. Then. Remember, I, could, I can see myself in the club in Birmingham with yeah. my college friends yeah. getting down. Your, like, we, we had Coliseum. That yeah. was the spot. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. I was in there very underage yeah. with my fake very, ID, very underage. <laughs> asking for water. I'd be like, "Can I get a cup of ice?" Because I have no and money to buy the drinks. We'd get there at 10. ten until six in the morning. Six a.m. Yeah, people yeah. can't even do that I'd wait now. For the train. I was to wait for the train to get the train home. <laughs> no, I used to make friends. Yeah, I got. I got home. Got home. I was at the train station. <laughs> yeah. So you're both women that love to kind of sing and party, yeah. but also you're both about your business too, and that's what I love about you both. One side of you running um, has gospel choir, and now you've got Bingers Boutique and all sorts of other things. So kind of <laughs> the business side of it. How did that come about, Naya? I was doing the business before the music. To be totally mm. honest with you, mm. um, I wanted to do a female empowerment brand before female empowerment was cool. I wanted to set up a forum for women to discuss women's stuff and entrepreneurialism mm. and just how to be a boss yeah. um, because I felt like there was a lot of stuff for men but there was not really anything for women yeah. so that was the first business venture that and I actually with, set up and with Billionaire um, with Billionaire Girls Club I remember obviously you were so excited at the time and then it was all this euphoria and then all of a sudden you kind of hit that stumbling block um, yeah it was major um, yeah I, I sold out I sold 100 t-shirts I was selling on MySpace before people knew you could even embed a PayPal link code on <laughs> MySpace so I'd sold 100 t-shirts um, and then I'd literally just started going crazy I was like I'm going to do tracksuits and I went through the Prince's Trust to like get my equipment and stuff and then yeah I got shut down I didn't understand at all about trademarking um, laws and Pharrell Williams was like uh uh-uh, uh honey you ain't gonna take none of my money <laughs> and so, he basically <laughs> shut me down and said how did he shut you down um, I got a lawsuit I got a trademark infringement lawsuit so Pharrell Williams is he he owns it with Jay-Z it's not just him it was him Jay-Z and some other names on there kind of all was a blur after that um, yeah and had to write them a letter and I said hey guys I haven't got any money I read it in hand <laughs> and said I'm printing from my mum's living room in Halston Northwest 10 it's a really low income area if I don't know if you know I've heard of it <laughs> but I ain't got no money and yeah so I will stop but I don't want to pay anything so yeah I had to stop and that's because they had the billionaire boys the club billionaire boys club yeah, yeah. and it's called trademark infringement which I didn't realise I was going for trademark I thought I was well within my rights yeah. because it's different mm. um, but yeah it's called no it's not it's called passing off so what happens is is that people could mistake my brand for his brand which now I understand because I wouldn't want someone out there doing Bingy's Palace and mm. you know doing yeah. like or Bingy's Kids or I don't know whatever something similar to mine and then reaping the benefits of what I had done um, so yeah it was but at the time I didn't really care about that I was yeah. devastated and I stayed quiet for 24 hours and just stared at my laptop like what am I going to do now and that's I know exactly for our exactly and and I guess that's the thing with business as well you have to know how to change and adapt so how did you manage to do that after getting that lawsuit being kind of like oh my god I'm going to lose all my money in my house <laughs> is my mom going to is my mom going to lose money <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> because just, of- I just I think it was yeah literally one day just a whole day 24 hours I was sat there at that time I'd um I'd actually I think I'd moved out by then I'd moved out of my mom's and I had got my first little office in Tottenham mm-hmm. yeah I did because I remember I was speaking to Nat about the trademark thing and he said yeah but this type of thing would take them years to shut you down anyway if anything did ever come of it you know just keep going and then when the law th- the proper lawsuit thing came in I was like uh no this is very serious mm-hmm. <laughs> um so I was staying with my aunt and um yeah I just was silent for the whole day and night and just was quiet and then thought, right, what am I going to do? And I thought, right, I've got all this equipment. A lot of boys had been asking me, are you doing boys T-shirts? And I thought, right, this is it. I'm going to do boys T-shirts and then rebrand the Billionaire Girls Club. And I rebranded it and I've got two business partners involved and it just wasn't the same anymore. Mm. Um, And then I fully put my heart and soul into Bingy's Boutique and just ran with that and then decided that wow this is actually maybe a bit better because as well as empowering females I can empower boys at the Mm. same time it's a bigger audience and then I looked at the blessing of the lawsuit because I thought wow if they've noticed me at this stage of my life all the way from America basically me and Nat built the website ourselves so Nat was a teacher on the digital women's course yeah sorry guys they must be who the hell is Nat Mm -hmm. so yeah we 
done the website and all the photography we done ourselves like it wasn't I didn't have no major anything it was just an idea and yeah and then even a year after that someone who had bought one of the t-shirts sent me a picture of a Sean John commercial and they'd ripped the exact same t-shirt that I'd done they copied the design the styling of the shoot everything that mirror image like literally mirror image I couldn't believe it um, but they just instead of the billionaire girls club it had Sean John in the, you know the earring it was yeah. basically an earring design but they had it exactly the same and I thought wow I thought yeah do you know what you're onto something and your ideas are amazing because if they're seeing this across the pond and this is before the website was even that big you know like yeah. now you know but back then it was just MySpace like, so yeah I felt like okay cool keep going something else will be born and it will be yours and yeah exactly and I'm still it. waiting but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will happen <laughs> I mean, what have you found the biggest been the biggest challenge for you Natalie with um house gospel choir on just you kind of working in business and music I mean there's loads of challenges and and the the blessing is actually the challenge I, d- I like people I think people are they motivate me um and working with good people always makes me want to do good work so I, I, I ride hard for my team like we go um, and that's part of the reason we started a vocal agency um, so the the vocalists in within the choir that are professional vocalists uh, they're going out and touring they're doing uh, recording on you know artists albums and um, it's kind of doing its own thing it was kind of an ad hoc thing before but we've just formalized it a bit more so um, it's kind of like that was born out of wanting to look after those people and make sure they were getting what they should be getting. You know, yeah. you get these, turn up to a studio and someone be like, yeah, I'm going to give you £50 to lay these backing vocals. Mm. You get the £50 now. You know what I mean? Like things just don't happen correctly. And I just thought there's these people that love singing and have this passion for music and they were just getting ripped off and taken advantage of on so many different levels. Um and it happens like with just a guy that runs a studio, but it also happens with major labels. Like if you don't understand what your buyout is, mm. you don't understand your PPL, you don't understand your PRS, like who's going to tell you that and where are you going to find that information? So we started Rep Vocal Agency um, with those vocalists. And um, so, yeah, so I think the challenge is trying to make sure that people's passion is being rewarded. Yeah, You know, um, just because someone loves singing doesn't mean they should come and sing everywhere for free. Just because someone loves dancing doesn't mean they should come and dance at your show yeah. free. And that was the one thing that I kind of took away from working in, like in, I suppose, in grassroots arts organisations and watching young people make their music and not necessarily make any money from it. Yeah. You think they're spending all this time, all this effort, all this energy, and there was a real disconnect with what people understood about what black music is or what urban music is. Mm. And they're just like, oh, it's all natural, isn't it? No, that guy wrote bars for days. Like he wrote rubbish bars, he wrote better bars, he wrote good bars and someone took notice. Like that is practice. Those are the hours. So I think people find it really easy to say, oh, this person plays violin in an orchestra. We can price that up. They got to grade eight and that's why they deserve this here. But with singing and these things that seem like natural talent, singing, rapping, music production, um, there's like a disconnect and people don't really understand the value of it but this music's everywhere these vocalists are everywhere these rappers are everywhere pay them (laughs) can we pay them please so rep vocal agency is an opportunity to do that um with those those singers that maybe have stopped believing that there's a career in it for them but their vocals are on huge records or their lyrics are on huge records and the reason I love house music is the vocalists. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you Ride in that of, rhythm. Yeah, like Barbara Tucker sings Beautiful People, uh, Tina Moore, Never Gonna Let You Go. You know the singer, you know their voice. If you hear the voice again, mm. you, you, you want to sing along to it. But often it's the producer or the DJ that is the recognised force. Mm. That's the one yeah. that goes on tour and plays the record over Do you know, it's again. even funny that you say that because going back to when I first done Frontline, I remember we had this this difficult conversation in the studio about whether or not it was going to be the produ- the production featuring me or whether mm. or not it was going to be yeah. me. And I said, hey! <laughs> <laughs> the, the, so, the soloist and you were like, uh-uh, I, I said, uh-uh, no, darling, I said, if you want to pay half for all of my shoes I'm going to have to buy when I go and perform and all these dresses that I'm going to have to do and all these wigs that I'm buying because I can't have a hairstylist right now and all this money (laughs) I've got to put in then why should you get why should we the go credits. feature and then half the half the, the money we're going to make, but we're not going to half the money that has to go out in the beginning? So yeah. I said, no, yeah. no. All no, of no. those questions, because when you think about it, like the training and any singer worth their soul has done vocal training, mm. whether that was in church yeah. or they just went home every day and practiced, they have put 
yeah, hours, and time, time yeah, into hours it. into their craft. So at the, at the other end, you've got to get it back out because mm. there is money there. And those people that kind of make you think there's no money here, there is money there. Mm. Yeah. Like I've, I've gone from like bookings where they're like, oh, we've only got 150 quid and we want 10 vocalists. Excuse me. <laughs> so, so everyone should get twelve pounds fifty. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. They can't even cover the fare there. That's it. And then by the end of the booking, you've got five grand. Mm. How then? Where was the money? So people will pay you what you think you're worth. You know, understand your worth, understand your value, and have people fighting for you. You know. So rep vocal agency is that. So it's so so what when you ask what the difficulty is, it's like my passion mm. and being paid for that talent, that passion, um, and the people involved in it. Yeah. So it's. The problem is comes out of, I suppose, the thing that is the solution as well. Mm. But also those people just having being educated enough um, and having someone fight their corner mm. um, to, yeah, to get the most out of it. But their you know what's really amazing about um, the organisation that you that you have and mm. what you're describing is the fact of most creatives can't be bothered with all that business. Yeah, know, because they don't want to. Just want to make the music. They just want to make right. the music, and once mm. you get into the business side, it can be so soul destroying that it will make you. I don't want to do this right now because it pushes you into a place of darkness. Because there's, there's no reason for it to be soul destroying. I think, like, I, I know, but there is, like, there is, yeah, no. But I'm, I'm saying it's it's the way it's explained or lack of explanation that makes it feel soul destroying. Like if someone just said to you, "This is PRS. This is how much it costs." This is what you get out. PRS is the Performing Rights Society, for those of you that aren't sure what it is. If someone just explained it in those three simple terms. But the point that I'm making is that as a creative, a lot of creatives, I'm I'm not putting myself in this equation because I love business. I signed up to PRS before, I think I even wrote my first song. I I know. Yeah, I think I paid £50. I sent my cheque. They sent it back. So I made it that I need to sign up. I had nothing to collect, but I was already signed up. But there's a lot of artists out there that they just love the creative. And as soon as they have to take their brain off of the creative, it, that becomes soul destroying for them. So what I'm saying is, because you have a safe place for them, that is an amazing thing yeah. for a lot mm-hmm. of creative people because yeah. they need that. Whereas some people want to do it themselves. There are a lot of people that don't. Yeah. Like there's, um, I went down to PPL because I needed. To, I didn't understand it. I yeah. said I can't get. It. I don't get it. I don't get mm. this two sides to the record thing. Mm. It's one song. Why yeah. is there two? Well, I don't understand. So I went down and I and I I finally got it all. I learned it and I understood it and I registered and I made sure everything was right. But but in speaking to one of the representatives down there, he listed names. And I'm talking people that are on the radio names that are not collecting their stuff Mm -hmm. because they just don't know. They Mm. don't get it. And when you try to reach out to them, they're not interested. They're not even interested. That's good for for the agency because the money just grows (laughs) grows for them. It does grow grow for them. But I think... um, I, I get what you're saying. But I'm highlighting like, the, the goodness and in your... And that, yeah, and, yeah, and that, that is well. amazing. And I guess it's people understanding when it comes to music, it's the music business. Yeah. So the but business having, is important. There's a, though, there's a yeah. difference between the music and the music yeah, business. Yeah, a, a massive difference. And that's, that's what people yeah. kind of... And that's why your organisation sounds amazing because it will safeguard the artist in being an artist, but knowing that, okay, this is a this is a place where they've got my best interests at heart. Yeah. And most, and place, really most, place, and most, most places don't. So yeah. that is... Sorry, yeah. that's what I was just saying. Yeah, and the girls that work together and and um we have uh our business partner laura leon and shazar mckenzie uh we work together as a team and we all have a slightly different perspective on the same problem yeah. so um but i i really do think education is the key it so is, when, when i'm saying like breaking things down into a really s- simple not even like creatives are like too busy to understand complicated things but small print is small print for a reason yeah. so let's blow it up and like make sure people understand can understand mm. what the what the point mm. of this thing is and i think so we do still explain what is going into it whether people take it in or not yeah is, but it's still there the information there. is there the information is there whereas i used to i used to really struggle with finding out i you know and i'd go and do gigs and they'd say to me oh, i'll pay your expenses mm. i didn't understand what that meant and i'd leave like i'd take taxi buy my outfit do my hair pay for drinks whatever it was you didn't know that could and, all be covered with yeah expenses. and that 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 promoters just made uh, 10 grand on the door got zero pounds how is that possible mm. i just lit up your dance with, you know what i mean like and and you can't um it just can't it can't continue that way and i think it's really important that people understand that and also um work together so i i expect 
there to be another vocal agency coming soon from somewhere else where they're doing similar work. I'm yeah. not, I don't want to be the only one doing this work. Don't don't start it too soon. But it's going really well, and um, we've worked with some amazing artists so far. And so with what you both are doing, I mean, obviously you know, the performance side, but as well as the business, it takes up a lot of time. And now, Naya, you have a little baby. So how are you finding kind of... She's fat. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you finding kind of managing the business, the music with motherhood now? Um, Do you know what? It's a really daunting experience. Mm. Um, And it's funny because I just launched a vlog where I just talk about different stuff that I've been going through. And one of the comments that I got was from a songwriter. It's like, you know, how do you, how did you make the choice to say, okay, now I'm going to have baby because you're so busy and you're always doing a million one mm-hmm. things at what point do you say okay cool like, I'm actually going to have a child and I, like that's and I guess I, that's because a lot of people particularly within the creative industries or if you're or career driven women tend to put off having having that family well this is the thing yeah. it's like you do like you think to yourself like I I've never really thought about okay I really really want children it's never been something that I grew up you know some women are very mm-hmm. much like oh I can't wait to have a baby like I've really been like oh okay I'll just wait till the late last possible <laughs> moment if I have to um, so it wasn't something that I definitely like thought about in the sense of I really desired it however it was procreation is very natural and it's something that I think at some point as your ovaries start to get older you start thinking okay I'd had a choice but sooner or later I'm not gonna have a choice because mm. the you know there's times running out so for me um I just felt like, okay, right, I'm going to have to take the plunge. And I wanted to wait until I was more financially able to have certain things in place. However, I soon learned that the more money you get, it's more money you spend, more money you spend, the less money you have. And if I wait, it's never, ever, ever going to yeah, happen. There's never so, a right opportunity. There's never a right opportunity. And um, I spoke to one of my friends and I said, you know, like, yeah, I, I do, but I just don't know. I don't know if I'm going to manage. Like, I'm, I, run a, I run a few businesses. Like, I have projects all the time. There's always something. Like, I could come away to call you tomorrow and be like, I've got this idea right. <laughs> because I always want to start something. And I felt like, how am I going to have a baby and then still be able to fulfill all of those? things so yeah. um I just had to just completely say do you know what I've anything that falls on my plate I can manage so if I have a baby there's no point me trying to overthink how I'm going to manage I'm just going to have to do it and make just it happen going to have to manage yeah I'm going to have to manage I'm not a strong swimmer I hate water going into my eyes but I know if you threw me in a pool I'm swimming to that other side to save my life I can mm. do it so I just kind of felt like that is the premise that I put on when I have when I've had her and I'm very fortunate because I do run my own business. I can work from anywhere because it's mm. a laptop, work from my phone. Um, but my biggest challenge now is the fact that I want to spend time with my daughter and I want to do stuff with her and I want to teach her. Like she's clapping her hands now and chasing her little shadow and she's trying to stand <laughs> up. And it's amazing, you know, like I've, the, her first words were mama. Like I... Yeah, my boyfriend. Yeah, you know, like a month later, she started saying dada. Now she's saying dad. And it's like, yeah, but the first words were mama. So I don't want to miss out on all of those things. But at the same time, I don't want to miss out on my growth as a person. And I think my soul's really important. And everything that I do in my life enriches the inner person that I am. And by not losing that part of me, I feel like that's only going to help my daughter. If I cut myself off and say, right, I just want to be a mum and focus on my daughter, then how do I still give her more wisdom because if I stop learning I stop growing as a person so for me it's about balance and about trying to make sure that I'm only doing the important stuff so I don't do everything and I say no and I'm not in all the WhatsApp groups that I was in before don't answer all my emails I don't even answer my phone all the time I do what is really important to me and which is what keeps me close to my focus and close to my dreams some of my things are basically based around finances and money because before if I was eating noodles and eggs for dinner it's okay because it's me (laughs) if I didn't want to sleep for two days because I needed to get that deadline it's okay I can do that whereas now it's like well no I need those checks because I've got Aptimal to buy and yeah I only use organic baby wash on my baby so everything's hella expensive so some (laughs) things are very money driven but I just have more um, tolerance for things in a much different way than I did before and it's really hard to describe like I a lot of people say when you have a baby that's when you've worked your hardest I don't really agree with that I think that that's when you work your smartest mm. and that's when you make choices that 
best suit your household as opposed to what best suits the other person. Yeah. I'm a people pleaser. You want me to be here? Oh, yeah, I'm going to come. But now it's like, oh, okay, I need to organise. I need to plan. Every second is accounted for. Like, mm. There's not a second of the day that goes by where I'm not using it. Like when she was four and a half months and she first started holding her bottle, I was like, oh my God, this five minutes feels like two days. <laughs> I've sent like 10 emails. I've done the dishes. I've done the iron and I've put the washer on all in the space of five minutes. I'm so much better with my time and I just make better choices mm. that suit yeah my house like I'm thinking about the next 10 years and how to look after my house and the main thing is that you just have to say no to things when you don't have a child you do any and everything and you don't even realize you're doing any and everything you yeah. say yes to everything because you can but as soon as that baby's in that house you're looking after a whole nother human like I was thinking about it the other day it's like if her lips are dry or the back of her neck's dry that's my yeah, fault. That's your fault. Yeah, you didn't, like, you didn't cream you know, Yeah, you know, like in yeah. the morning I get myself ready and I'll put my makeup on and I do my, you know, my little Elizabeth Arden on my lips and I make sure my ears are clean and I cut my nails and all of these things. But I have to do that for this little human every day. That's mm-hmm. a whole nother job, you know. So by by creating her, having that to do for her and to do for myself and run my house, because now the housework is intense. And then on top of that, running my businesses and having my projects, it's like, how do you juggle all of that? So what I do with her is I just include her in everything. So I don't put her as a secondary job or yeah. looking after her. Everything is, we do it together. Like when I'm getting her ready, I'm having a bath, I'm drying her, I'm drying myself, I'm creamed her, I've creamed myself, I'm, t- I'm doing everything it's included and for me that's the only way to get through it because yeah. as soon as I started to try and do it separate you just no time to sleep yeah friends that I know that have babies as well are the same like either you know like when babies sleep and you're either doing doing your work or doing your house like oh you're trying to sleep at the same time as well just so you can get that rest and also if you've got you know particularly if you're in um the media industry and people want to have meetings at all sorts of times I've got friends who'll be like just so you know baby's coming to the meeting <laughs> yeah that <laughs> happened so, to me um, today like I had a meeting um with a brand and they were 45 minutes late and then when they came I said yeah she's probably not going to be patient now because the, my first 45 minutes of occupying her have gone mm. you know what I mean I've yeah. done the stangling the string she's had a little rusk biscuit you know she's had yeah. a bit of water she's bored now so my level of attention for you has gone down to like 25% but that's your fault because yeah. you were late yeah. you know so it's yeah they have to just come you just have to bring them you know which is yeah it's hard sometimes but at the same time it's nice as well because then it's like yeah you look at mommy working man you know yeah. you need to follow in my footsteps <laughs> <laughs> I'm always um, thinking about having kids I'm like, oh, I don't know. And I always thought, oh, I should have done it by now and all these different things. But also that, that, that thing you're talking about, about personal growth, there's so much stuff that I've done in the last three years that mm. if I had had a child, I don't, there's no way I would have done it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't sleep. I work like round the clock. But the thing is though, you, just, you say this, but... I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah, I'm saying it will do. happen at some point, but I'm just saying when you're doing, when you've kind of got that bug and you've got a passion for something, get on it. Do you know what I mean? And there's no time for standing there thinking, oh, I should really be having a child right now at the same time as yeah, that no, moment. I don't and, agree and I, at that, first yeah. I was having that moment where I was like, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s now. I should be thinking about a, having I think children. it's peer pressure as well, you yeah. know? Yeah. That something happens on your 30th birthday, you're like, bruv, I just know myself. Like, no one can chat to you sideways like mm. after so, sorry that sounds a bit no it doesn't it sounds, but like, it sounds just, authoritative yeah, you it's just nice. know yourself so and I think like that energy that you have there it can be spent in one of two ways in that exact moment yeah. a lot of women spend that time thinking I need to have a child now I need to settle down now, especially on the approach to the 30th Definitely. I think a lot of women go through that oh I need to be having a baby now I should be having the house I should but be I at a certain problem, level though, Anika, I think that is the major problem it's like why compare yourself to what you should be doing That's mm-hmm. because if you, if you should be doing what you should be doing then we should all be housewives at home cooking and cleaning and looking <laughs> yeah. after your men that's just bullshit <laughs> do you see what I mean so yeah. like I yeah I strongly think that everything happens to a woman in her own time exactly. what is for you is no, for you true. what is for you is for you right. what is so for that's you what I'm for saying. me so rather, like, all that time that, that I, I kind of spent a couple months thinking why are we not doing this mm-hmm. um, and then once I realised I had all this extra energy and this kind of I, all this stuff I'd learned in my 20s I can now put into this brand new thing I didn't know I wanted to start a choir when I was 22 I didn't yeah. know I wanted to start a, mm. run a vocal agency when I was that age I, I had no idea that these were things I was going to be doing but all your work and everything is kind of what is what's been led you up to this moment right. to be able so to create every, that every bit of experience every mm. opportunity working with Naya working with you know running stages doing all these different things are what prepared me to be able to feel confident I was not confident enough to run a business in my mm. 20s uh, which is amazing that you were able to just say this is what I want to do then I had no idea 
So I, I had these jobs. I had amazing opportunities to work for people and with people. And a load of those people are working with me now. So it's like you're collecting things, you're collecting experience, you're collecting skills. And rather than say, oh, I need to put all of that experience into having a family. I, no, I want to have a family too at some point. Yeah. But I'm going to use all of that to, to start something that is is my own and has a legacy and um and, and you know and what that is, is all these other that's people. basically your first child that's when kizzy's i got her due date it was like the 23rd of february and bingy's boutique is the 25th of february and i was yeah. like this baby got to try outshine my first baby <laughs> like yeah bingy's is gonna be eight years old it was, yeah. my business will be eight next year so i'm like that is my first born yeah because mm. i eat sleep breathe the brand yeah i don't think of anything else and it is, a, it is your yeah. child yeah. and yeah. anyone that will tell you that it's nothing like it no it is if you're serious about your business it's exactly like having yeah. a child you know the only difference is is that you could bleach for like three days on a pr- on work all the way up whereas when you have a baby you're like this no okay I need to well, <laughs> well, parents don't get to sleep for three days certain times yeah, either exactly. so or a year like, we've got all the similarities but yeah, um, no it is yeah I just think like that pressure to do something with you know like have a family and all that stuff it's 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 not a bad thing it's it's a natural kind of part of Mm. like just our biology even and for some people it drives them some people it doesn't um and but i think making that the most important thing over everything else um i did it for like like i said i did it for a little while i need to go back home i need to i moved out i I split up with my partner at the time like and i just went home and um, gave you time to uh, reflect yeah, on what you wanted went, and what you I needed. I moved back to Brixton and um, got within, your swag back. Yeah, that's it. I, yeah, I got my swag back. And then um, it's it's funny how things happen because my my mum got ill like about a month, two months after I moved back into my own flat, um, and she sadly passed away. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Right Thank you. So that decision, all that energy, is what I'm saying is don't don't do what you think you should be doing do no. what you want to do yeah mm-hmm. because if i if i hadn't moved back to brixton i wouldn't have had that year to look after my mum while mm. she was ill and it was just me and her yeah. day in day out me her and my younger sister um who i look after now my younger sister has is down syndrome and has spectrum autism but we you know me and her role like she's my handbag we've just come back from jamaica together nice and, you know what i mean so inside of that there is this thing of looking after people mm-hmm. you know and it yeah it's not she, Rebecca's my sister she's not my own child but that that thing that you kind of have in you naturally as women a lot yeah. of the time that caregiver role it can be used for different things in that instance it was used for my mum and now it's been used for my sister and the 140 people that are in the choir that mm. I really really I really care about because these guys are the people making my dream come through every single week yeah. do you know what I mean and I get to go and sing with them and, and have youth club <laughs> some dope mm. ass people do you know what I mean so I think that just all the pressure that seems to come that energy that you have that that experience you have can be used in other ways yeah I mean, and I think yeah. that there is there is so much pressure on women to have yeah. children like when I got pregnant like my whole family was like no it's a lie <laughs> they didn't believe you and all my friends no, were like let me see the scan no, 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 no one no I re- one believed me I reckon right. people would be like that with me yeah, if I want no, one when, or when no it happens until the baby be like, yeah, yeah. no one saw it coming no one saw it coming whatsoever and I, as I said it wasn't something that I ever sat down and really pondered over do you know what I mean like I've been with my partner for six years so for him he was talking about it but I'm like yeah you ain't pushing that baby out so exactly the man wants to talk about it but it's one of those things it's, if it's in your life plan it's going to happen for you and yeah. if it's not in your life plan then it's not it's nothing major like a lot of people ask me like oh but people say it's like it's the you know they come up with all these euphoric feelings and all these you know when I saw these Facebook I states I lies though no no no, 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 no you not do like, no, no listen I see it on Facebook yeah they're like saying all this stuff about how they feel when they've got the scan I felt nothing <laughs> no but I'm being honest I felt nothing I, yeah. I hated being pregnant I hated it all oh, I would man. not do it again yeah. and I hated it so and I felt like an alien because I said to one of my friends but they're saying all this stuff I someone put up a scan picture and was like it's the I in love and I said I don't feel none of that <laughs> no but I don't yeah. so I feel like it's a it's a bit of a mirage and I think yeah. that a lot of women do say these things and they don't realise that by exaggerating and making up all of these you know these things that sometimes it can make other women feel a little bit awkward yeah. you know and there's some women that can't even have children yeah. do you know what I mean so yeah. it's that's why I say that I or don't, don't, think, want I, I don't, don't want to I don't want kids a million like, percent so I yeah. think that sometimes it's a bit yeah it's just a little bit 
weird. Like, and as I said myself, it wasn't something that I was striving to do. It's something that I've been blessed with now and I wouldn't change it. However, if you choose in your life to not have children, I don't think that you're going to be missing out if you have yeah. your own life goals. Yeah. I, I don't feel like that. I don't. And I think it's unfair when people say, oh, but if you don't have children, you just don't understand how it feels. Yeah. Yeah, but you have a it's, mark. It's and once you have one as well, people expect you to have another one. Exactly. And it's That's like... <laughs> when you have a sister, when you're, when you're a carer for someone, you're looking after your sister. It's the same thing. It's your, you know, your nourishing information yeah. and help and love into someone. No, I'm like, she's, yes, she has Down syndrome, but she's basically us. She grew up with the same parents in the same area. She is a Brixton girl through and through. Do you know what I mean? She wants to rave. She wants to dance. She wants to drink rum punch. And, and, and she's, she's a great human being. It's just, she needs this bit of extra support and this bit of extra care and time. And you have to be patient with her. But mm. anyone that meets Rebecca, you'll, you'll see for yourself. She's just, she's dope. Mm. <laughs> and at least you understand that. And growing up with you, you've learned kind of how to, how you can help him help her to yeah, be the best that she can be. And, and um, she goes to mainstream college. She goes to Lambeth College. And they've got a great um, department there that helps people with special needs. And so it's just great that she's got her own life as well. Yeah. So everything, mm. the last two years, just been trying to make her as independent as possible. So I feel like when I finally do get around to having kids, it have some experience. I know it's different. Mm. Is different, no, but, but I just think when you're when you're the position that you explain yourself to be in, I feel like um that was me, you mm. know, in in my circle of friends, in my business, I'm always been like the mum figure without yeah. even realizing yeah. it. I never ever thought that it was that, and now I look back, I'm like, oh, oh okay, yeah. that was the it was then it was preparing you exactly, it was preparing you, yeah, it's the same, yeah, just care about things. So, ladies, just to kind of wrap up, and if we can keep it, we're wrapping. Yeah, I know, I know, it's sad when it's sad because we're having such. A, such a great time, we such a great conversation and questions. things. Yeah. <laughs> next time, next time. <laughs> um, if you could go back and give your younger self a bit of advice, what piece of advice would that be? I would just say you don't have to be perfect. I think striving for perfection and sometimes you set yourself up for a bit of a fail because you come out so perfect that how do you exceed what you've already done? Mm, nice don't have to be perfect Natalie take every opportunity up until a point when you can just start focusing on your own dreams mm. take every opportunity because it's a, it's a step forward mm. if someone says to you do you want to do work experience here turn up be on time mm. like be your best self and and the other bit that goes with that whilst you're taking every opportunity is work hard and be nice politeness costs nothing it doesn't like just work your ass off and be polite and nice to everybody you encounter and take the opportunities that are in front of you because your next step is is inside of that as well you just gotta keep moving great advice ladies naya how can people kind of keep in touch with you find out what you're working on buy things from bingy's boutique yes support me and put some milk in Kizzy's mouth as well, <laughs> buying a t-shirt um now you can find every all my social links are on my website is princessnaya.com Cool. Amazing. Natalie, how can people find out more about you or House Gospel Choir? Yeah, just search House Gospel Choir. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter and we have a website and everything like that. And uh, if you want to hit me up, it's just Sing Maddox Sing on anything, really. Just have a go. Cool. So get in touch with them, guys. Thank you for being here, ladies, and keep the magic going. Angie Greaves is a radio presenter who's currently on Magic FM. She's a champion for women in radio and audio and a well-known voice. Here's her story in her own words. My name is Angela Diana Greaves. On the radio, I am known as Angie Greaves. I kind of prefer Angie. I am a radio presenter. I present the afternoon shows on Magic Radio. I do the breakfast show, 7am to 10am. And I have a show on British Airways Radio that is updated once a quarter. I love, love, love radio to the point whereby I don't know if I did have another career. I don't know what it would have been. My mother always used to say to me in her broadest Bayesian accent, malt meant to eat, not to talk too much. But I love, I just love radio. Uh, and I do believe I've been given the gift of communication from the Almighty. In 1987, I walked into Capital Radio. It was at Euston Tower at the time. My mother sent me to get a job because that's just what Caribbean parents did. So I was the assistant to the head of personnel and I loved it. 
I loved going in the office. I loved meeting the DJs. I loved the fact that, you know, Chris Tarrant and David Jensen and Alex George and Mick Brown and Pat Sharp and all these guys came in and we were chatting away. That's where I met David Rodigan. And it was great. So during my lunch hour, I'd go in the studio and do, you know, dummy shows. At five o'clock, when I'd finished in the personnel department, I'd go in the studio, I'd do another dummy show. And I just kept doing these shows. And I used to do them with gospel songs first. And then I'd do a little bit of reggae. And then I just thought, well, look, just do some mainstream radio. And it was great. And I can remember giving cassettes to the DJs and saying, listen, on your drive home, have a listen. Let me know what you think. And, you know, some of the comments were not favourable. Some of the comments were semi-favourable. Others said, look, it's inside, it's there, you just got to work at it. And that's what I did. My first UK radio show was on a station called Spectrum. It was on AM and that was a great experience. Um, it didn't last very long. <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast. I wasn't Angie Greaves of Capital. I was the secretary who'd cut her teeth at Capital. So that came to a fairly abrupt end. I uh, took some time out and then I went to Choice FM. And that for me was the first major accomplishment because of what Choice FM was, in that it was the first radio station in the UK that was making noise in terms of black culture, black music, and to be a part of that in its infancy, that was a major accomplishment. And you don't see how much of an accomplishment it was until you start to hear artists on Choice FM on what were regarded mainstream stations. That's when I realised, wow, this station is making noise. And then to move from Choice FM where I was the Bajan woman and <laughs> you know, in the mornings and quite ruthless about it to then move on to freelance at LBC to freelance at Jazz FM and to now work at Magic you couldn't have two stations as far apart from each other I think success for me is pinpointing something, striking the goal, and then reaching that goal. But then there are other goals because life continues, opportunities always come, and it's about grabbing the right ones at the right time. Do I see myself as a role model? The straight answer is no, I don't. But when I go out with my daughters, I never really used to talk to my daughters about choice. You know, I'm just Angela. I'm just mummy. When my kids hear people talking about choice days and when they say, oh, God, your mum used to make us laugh. Oh, da, da. Then, yeah, I think what I, what I then do is kind of switch lanes and think, well, look, Angela, if you were the first female breakfast show presenter on a London radio station, regardless of whether it was London wide or not, that's something that you're going to have to accept. Somebody somewhere is going to remember somebody somewhere. A young black female presenter is going to think, I used to listen to Angie Greaves. I wonder how Angie Greaves does it. And then at that point, I think you have to take your position a bit more seriously, not egotistically, but seriously. And I think you have to accept that you're always auditioning. Someone's always listening, whether they want to offer you a job, whether they want to get your tactics, whether they want to know how you did it. And from that point of view, then yes, I have to accept that at some point in my life, I have been, am or will be a role model to or for someone. So this is the magic. Turn something challenging into something inspiring. Join every episode of the Black Magic podcast by subscribing on the Acast and iTunes podcast apps. We're also on Stitcher and Player FM. All the women featured in the series will be featured on the Colour Network website, where you can see videos and images of this year's Black Magic Awards. Do spread the word and share the magic. Thank you for listening. This podcast is produced by Unedited.